0: As we uh, talk about the end of Paul's life, we're kind of ending, getting close to ending our journey here with the series that we've called The Story, where we started in Genesis, um, started in Genesis, and we're going to end really in Revelation with the new heaven and new earth next week. And so if any of you, I always, I get questions actually fairly often um, about what in the world is going on in Reve- the book of Revelation. Um, I'm not going to answer all those questions next week. Uh, but if you're interested in that sort of thing, or know somebody who is, maybe uh, next week would be a good week to invite them to church. As we kind of look at the end of Paul's life here uh, and the legacy that he's leaving behind, Paul's in prison. He's in a Roman prison, and his life is winding down, and basically he just is kind of waiting his execution uh, here. He knows it's going to happen. he doesn't really know when it's going to happen, but he is pretty confident that his, his life is ending in the near future. We know that he's not really sure like how many days uh, he has on this earth, and we think from what we can tell that he thinks he has some, because when he writes to Timothy, uh, he is act- actually asking for Timothy to like send him some parchments and some books so that he can t- continue to study and to write but we can. Ass- it's probably relatively safe to assume that pretty soon after he wrote his letter uh, to Timothy, his second letter to Timothy, that we have on record that Paul was executed, because we really don't have any other letters of Paul after the book of 2 Timothy. And so if you're with me this morning, we're going to be looking at the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy here, and we're going to be kind of looking at the legacy that Paul hopes uh, that he is leaving Timothy and then encouraging Timothy to, to lead and leave a similar kind of legacy. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, um, but your days are numbered. <laughs> right? You may not be like Paul, and uh, you may not be sitting in prison and know that your life is coming to, the end, coming to an end in a very near future, uh, but the truth is, is that your days are numbered, and uh, you do have kind of a legacy that you are leaving behind, either for good or ill. And those of us who are, are following Jesus and are Jesus followers, like I believe like in the heart of hearts, like you want to leave a legacy of faith. Like you want to leave behind something for your family and friends uh, so that when they think of you, uh, not only do like they, they see that person that they grew up with or that person um, uh, that they... Um, uh, raised, or that, that person who was their parent or grandparent, but rather that they, they see Jesus and they see their faith. Here, this is what Paul is speaking to Timothy about. He's letting Timothy know, my, my time's coming to an end, Timothy, and I want you to know a few things. And because Paul knew it, uh, that his life was coming to, to the end, he actually had a chance to kind of write to Timothy what he hopes he is leaving behind to Timothy. And maybe this will give you an opportunity to think about, like, if you were to write a letter yourself to somebody you loved about your own legacy, what you would say to them. And so if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy and beginning in chapter 3, verse 10 here. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 10. And these are the words to Paul as he writes to Timothy. Paul's an older man at this time. Timothy is a relatively young pastor and is basically Paul's spiritual son. And so Paul is leaving these words for Timothy. He says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors go on from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived. And so what we see here is that Paul believes that, that he had a calling on his life. Now Paul's calling was basically to be an evangelist, to go around and tell people about Jesus. And what we see from Paul's calling on his life is that his life was not easy. And so one of the things that I just want to remind you of is, not, is, that, is that all of you have a calling on your life. It may not look exactly like Paul's, but just because God has called you to him does not mean that your life will be easy. And Paul is reminding Timothy of this. And in fact, he's telling Timothy, like, you have seen how I have lived my life and what has happened to me. And he reminds Timothy of, like, these three cities that he went to in secessions here. And he says, remember what happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystria. And here's what... Paul is trying to remind him of. When Paul traveled to Antioch, the first thing that happened to Paul at Antioch after he started to share the gospel is that he was chased out of the town because the people wanted to kill him, and so he moves on from Antioch to Iconium, and when he gets there, what takes place is he begins to preach the gospel, and then people show up again, and they chase him out for sharing Jesus. But then there's the third city he travels to after he leaves because he doesn't want to be stoned to death. From at, in those two places, he gets to Lystra, and there he begins to preach and share Jesus with people. And then something really uh, strange and wonderful happens. A crippled man comes up to Paul, or Paul sees this crippled man, and Paul goes up to the crippled man, and he prays over him, and God heals the crippled man. And so what takes place is the town sees this and they hear about this and they get news of this. And so they all come to Paul and they are like praising him. In fact, they are bringing sacrifices to him and they're calling him Hermes, which is one of the, one of the Greek gods of that city. And his friend Barnabas is with them and they're calling Barnabas Ju- Zeus. And Paul is going like, wait a second, like hold on here. Like I didn't heal this man, God healed this man. Like, don't bring your sacrifices to me. I don't deserve anything. But rather, I have come to talk to you about the one true God. And these people, he's got to like settle them down because they want to worship Paul. Well, so Paul is like this great hero at this time. Well, then it doesn't take long and the mob from the other two cities have followed Paul and show up. And what happens is they string Paul up and they decide to stone Paul. And so Paul gets stoned in this city. And what we're told in the scriptures is that the only reason they stopped throwing stones and rocks at Paul here is because they thought Paul was already dead. And so these people came and they persecuted Paul and they left Paul for dead there. (laughs) So Paul goes from hero in this town to zero very quickly, right? The truth is like Our lives can sometimes be like that, even if we're, like, in our calling and if we're following Jesus here. And what Paul is reminding Timothy, who is this young pastor and this young follower of Jesus here, is is not to give up and rather continue to follow the Lord. And not just continue to follow the Lord, but to do it with a particular type of character here. If you look at verse 10, he says, You have followed me in my teaching, my conduct, my aim of life, everything that I've, I've been called to, my faith, my love, my steadfastness, my patience. Like you have seen how I have lived my life here and how I have not given up and how I have not followed Jesus even in the midst of hardships and in the midst of persecution, All right? And so like for us as we are receiving this today from Paul, and as we are thinking of Paul's legacy, like one of the things that I think we need to remember here as we are following Jesus, that we need to endure and that we need to persevere in godliness ourselves. We need to endure and we need to persevere in godliness ourselves. Right, if you're a note taker, maybe that's what you need to write down that you need to not give up. Look at verse 12 here. So what Paul tells Timothy here he says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Do you hear that? Like, all who follow Jesus will be persecuted. Don't give up. Persevere in godliness. Uh, Jesus, you know, he, when, when he starts the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things he says, are blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to say this. He says, uh, blessed are you when others revile you. And persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. I think one of the things that you know I, I try to be very careful about, um, and you can kind of see sometimes just in in teaching and in ministry in general, is like promising that just because you follow Jesus, like your life is just going to get better, like everything is just going to get smooth. Um, and it's, it's, it's just like your life is going to be changed in a sense that you will never have any problems or you'll never have any troubles, um, and you're just going to be able to walk a smooth, paved road, and everything's going to be good. Well, the truth is, is this just isn't the case, is it? Right? All of you who have followed Jesus long enough, you know this is, this is not true. Uh, Jesus says that this is not only true not just for Christians, but this is, this is true for those who aren't Christians, right? He says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The truth is, is like life is difficult, and it's going to be difficult, and even following Jesus uh, can, can actually make life more difficult in certain situations here. And Paul says, this has been the case for me. But what he's telling Timothy is just to continue to persevere, continue to endure, uh, to con- continue to be steadfast here because a-, a reward awaits you. And so don't give up when life gets tough. You know, for some of you, this may, may look um, like you just being at work and your employer you're asking you to do something that's unethical and you know that it's unethical. Right? And he knows that this is something that you're not going to want to do. And so there's going to come a time where you're going to have to decide, like, should I do this? Right? Maybe for some of you, right, it's your friend's. Your friends are asking you to kind of leave behind your faith, or maybe your newfound faith. Or, or, or maybe your friends are asking you to, to walk a certain line and follow people that you shouldn't be following, right? Just to kind of get in line. Perhaps um, it's your spouse, right? The, the truth is, I believe that following Jesus can actually make our marriage better. Um, like, if, if both of you are following the Lord... Like, I, I believe that your marriage can be better than those who are not following the Lord. If one, of your spouse, one of, if one of your spouse doesn't attend church and the other spouse does attend church and the spouse that doesn't attend church likes you going to church and sees that the church is teaching you to serve them and to love them um, and to encourage them, like, I believe that it can make your, your marriage better. But I've also seen it make marriages worse, right? If your spouse does not like the church, it is not like you taking time away from, uh, from being with them to go and serve and, and to be with your church family, right? Sometimes, sometimes it can get worse. And the truth is that you need to persevere. Right? You need to persevere at work. Some of you, uh, some of you maybe, I don't know, um, maybe your boyfriend or your girlfriend, right? They're pressuring you. They're pressuring you to have sex outside of marriage. Don't do it. Persevere and leave that fool behind, right? Maybe it's a child. Maybe your children have grown and they've turned their back on the Lord and you just love them so much and uh, it breaks your heart and so you've decided, well, right, I just don't trust the Lord anymore. I'm not sure if... Me being a part of a community of believers and me following the Lord really made the impact that I hoped it would on my children, right? Persevere. Continue to follow the Lord. The Lord has called you, even though it's difficult. Don't give up. Jesus, for Jesus and Paul, it was no surprise that this life would be kind of difficult, right? Jesus said, to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross. Paul knew that. And so this is why Paul's telling Timothy this. This is why Paul continues in this way in verse 14. He says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred scriptures, or sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures, breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Uh, so some of you know that my mother-in-law is here uh, today, um, and will be here over the next month or so, uh, because she is our baby catcher. Uh, if you had, don't know that story, my daughter was born at home accidentally, and my mother-in-law caught her before she fell in the toilet. Um, so uh, I can give you the long story later, but I, I, I want to I take a moment um, and tell you a little bit about my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law was raised in a very godly family uh, who's been very involved in following the Lord and, and their church. And uh, it's neat to see uh, the legacy that her family is leaving behind and has left behind in her and kind of the legacy that she is leaving as well. But I love hearing the one story of her ever getting in trouble probably in all of her life. Uh, happened when she was in high school. She left the cafeteria Uh, to go study her memory verses for a Bible memory competition. And a teacher had caught her, not in the cafeteria, but in some room when she was supposed to be in the cafeteria. And her excuse of practicing for her Bible drills wasn't good enough to get her out of a whooping. Um, Now, she's from Alabama, so you get whooped down there. Um, And so she was thoroughly embarrassed uh, by this. Um, but I'm sure most of you uh, would think if that's the only time you've ever gotten in trouble, you must be doing okay. Um, but she uh, obviously persevered in the faith and was fine with being persecuted for Christ. <laughs> um, but Emily and I, the other day, we were in the kitchen and, and most of you know like my son Judah, he's, he's going to be four in February, three now, but he has started preschool and uh, one of the things that um, Judah has been learning uh, phrases and words from other kids because he would never learn a bad phrase or a word from his parents. And so he's starting to repeat some of these things uh, around the house. Um, I'm sure his uncles are helping out with this too because they don't have little boys, so they don't care um, what they tell him. Uh, but Emily was, we were in the kitchen, and Emily is just saying, you know, what, like, I find myself like, sounding like, like my mother more and more. And I was kind of waiting for her to like, kind of just put down Debbie um, and kind of where Debbie has maybe failed as a, as a mother or kind of just not been helpful. And I said, really? And she said, yeah. She said, you know, Judah was saying some stuff he shouldn't to another kid. And I, I said, okay, so what do you tell him? How did you sound like your mother? And she, she said, well, I, I sat Judah down, and I, I told him that we don't speak like that. And he asked why and she said, here's what I told him, and this is what my mother used to tell me. She said, I I told him, well, God made our mouths, and our mouths exist to glorify him and to love others with. And I kind of looked at her, oh, I said, well, that's really good. (laughs) Uh, Somebody (laughs) should have taught me that, right? Uh, I'm sure like that was kind of etched into Emily's mind as her mother washed her mouth out with soap and told that to her over and over again. Uh, but, but my point is here is that there has been a legacy and there has been some godliness that has been passed down from one generation to the next. And what Paul here is telling and reminding Timothy of is that actually uh, there has been a legacy of godliness that has been passed from his mother and his grandmother to him. And Paul is telling him to, to remember that, uh, and so for you, like for parents, grandparents, like you, you need to make sure that you are leaving this kind of legacy. But Paul doesn't really leave it there. He, he doesn't just like, tell him to go back to like, your childhood faith. What Paul actually does here is he says, I, I want to remind you of how you were trained as you, when you were young. And he tells him, like, don't give up. Like, don't stop training. Like, just because you're not a toddler anymore, it doesn't mean that you should just stop growing or that you should stop being trained. And so, yeah, like in your notes there, I just put, you know, continue to train for godliness. Um, most of you, right, you know that you need to train for things. Uh, you, you, just, you just know this to be true, and you continue to do that. Uh, we have all trained for things that are important to us, and we do this our, our whole life. Uh, but many of you, right, if you have a particular profession— that requires you to go to a four-year university or maybe you've been in school for much longer than that. Like, you have put the time in and you have put the money in and maybe you have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to train for your education and you have had teachers give you A's or B's or C's or D's or F. I, I don't know. Um, but, but you've trained and you've put the time in. You guys, you probably do continuing education, right, for your work and all that you do. Like, you, you train for that. If you're an athlete, right, you train, you go to practice, you allow some dude or lady yell at you when you get it wrong uh, and to correct you. If you're in the band, right, you're evaluated by your instructors. The, the truth is is what Paul here is, is telling Timothy is that, hey, Timothy, like, you're, you're going to be training your whole life and, and don't stop. Don't stop training in godliness here. It, most of you kind of know this section of Scripture for Second Timothy 3.16, right? Uh, where it says all Scripture is breathed out by God and is useful here for training. Well, um, what Paul is basically saying here is like all of this is God's Word. All of this is for you so that you can spend a lifetime trying to understand it and apply it to your life. And to receive training from it. Now this means both on an individual level and on a corporate level. Like, uh, some of us are, are fine with like, reading the Bible on our own and just like hoping the Holy Spirit right, will, will change us and speak into our lives. Uh, but the truth is here Paul is actually asking Timothy, who is, an, who is a pastor, like, to speak in the lives of the people that come to him. Right? And, and correct them, rebuke them, train them, encourage them. And so this should, just, this should be a, a part of all of our lives because some of us are kind of like, we will get yelled at, we, we will get a grade from a teacher, right? Um, or we will endure like getting corrected by a coach. But the moment somebody in the church kind of encourages you to maybe change your course because the scriptures might point you in another direction, right? What, what I've discovered is we really kind of have almost a gag reflex to that, and I, I, just, I just want to encourage you, like, not to react that way, but rather to receive the scriptures and, and, and what they have for you in a way that you allow them to change your heart and to change your mind and to change your life. And this is what Paul is encouraging Timothy to do and to be about. And this is what Paul hopes uh, he will leave for Timothy as part of his legacy, a life that has been changed by the Lord who has spoken to him. In chapter 4, Paul continues like this, he says, "I charge you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is judge, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the Word, and be ready in and out of season, reprove, rebuke and exhort, with complete patience and teaching, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears, and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to shoot, suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wonder often at the myths as for you." Always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Uh, Many of you know that I I like to go to the gym um, a couple times a week, and I usually go in the morning, and this uh, man um, is there named John. John's an older gentleman and has been following the Lord for some time, and he knows I'm a pastor. And so we talk quite often, and usually uh, when I kind of tell him by or if he tells me by his kind of parting words to me, uh, is all, they're always like, preach the word. That, that's just what he tells me. He says, preach the word. And so I always say, well, well thanks, John. I'm going to try to do that uh, this Sunday. Well, here, Paul is actually challenging Timothy. This is, what he's challenge- this is where he gets it from. Paul is challenging Timothy here, and he's saying, hey, Timothy, preach the word. Now, I know what you're thinking. Like, you're not a preacher, right? You're not a pastor. Like, that's not your ministry uh, to preach the word. Well, well, preaching can have a, several different meanings. It can be it can mean to announce. It can mean to share, um, and and the truth is is that we are all called to do that. Like we we are all called to share God's word with people. Um, this can make us a little uneasy um, because, right? Like nobody really likes to be preached at. Um, I remember a lady who had. Uh, Um, come to church one time and when I was a a young kid and she said, you know, I kind of like your pastor because he's not like yelling at you the whole time um, and telling you how how bad he is. Uh, And I think that's kind of like the general feeling like most of our culture kind of has uh, right now. Like we really, we we do struggle um, with maybe the word even preached because we kind of feel like the words imply that all you're going to be told about is kind of how, how bad you are and how you need to change. Well, the truth is, like, we all need to change, right? The truth is, with, with, without Jesus, like, we're all broken, we're all lost. Yeah, like, none of us are righteous, not one. Um, but really, like, what good preaching will do or what, what, what good sharing of the word will do is not just kind of maybe bring that to mind or get people to thinking, like, yeah, okay, my life needs to change a little bit. Um, but rather, it will share with people like how good Jesus is, uh, so people won't be left just feeling like how bad they are, but rather how how good Jesus is, like how, how nice it must be to trust in Him and His Word, and what a life must look like, uh, might look like if if this person really believes like God's Word should change them and change their hearts. And so, for you, right? It's just like just share what the Scriptures say with people. What is' it doing with you, and, and maybe it 's as simple as like the teacher I know that when when something awful happened in in their school, they know that she 's a Christian, and so they go to her and, and she says well hey let 's get together and let 's get a group, big group of people." to pray because they're all mourning together. And it's not that the Christian teacher isn't mourning, but the Christian teacher isn't mourning like everybody else in the sense that she has hope and that she believes that God can bring good an au- out of an awful situation. And so it is getting with a group of people and even in, the, in your prayer, sharing the word of God and letting people know that yes, God hates death and God mourns death, but in this situation, God can bring good out of an awful and evil situation and giving pe- people that kind of hope. For some of us, right, sharing the word with people may just be challenging even other Christians who are struggling to figure out like, how they should think about the world or how they should think about people and deal with people or leaders. It's, it's, telling, it's, it's telling the Christian man who seems to be blind right, to the words, to the, to the vulgar language of a leader and kind of overlooking that and, say, and reminding them like, hey, like, out of the depths of your heart. Jesus says, out of the depths of your heart. Become what you speak, and so if people are, are speaking vulgarly, right? If if your leaders are speaking in a vulgar way, and you're just dismissing it, right? You're dismissing where their heart is, and you should be very careful about following people like that. It, it's it's challenging people by the word and is sharing the word and allowing the word, right, to change people's hearts and people's lives. And it's not just it's not really using it as a club. It's just letting people know why you believe what you believe. The angel, when he shows up in the Gospels, the angel says this. He says, I bring you. The angel is one of the first preachers we see in the Gospels. It says, I bring you good tidings of great joy and good news that will be for all people. The words of the angel here, they're for all people. Jesus says, before he goes to be with the Lord and ascends, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Be witnesses to all. What Paul wants us to know and what Paul wants, I believe, Timothy Timothy to know, and the legacy that he leaves behind, is right, like preaching just isn't this moment right here, and sharing the word isn't just this moment right here, but it's rather just a lifetime of following Jesus. I'm going to conclude with uh, this last section of Scripture here, and it says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to those who have loved his appearing. What Paul is basically saying here is that God has used me to the end. The challenge for you is, will you let God use you to the end? Paul's legacy here is a legacy of faith in which he has finished strong. Right? And so some of us need to hear that, and this is not something new that I have told you. This is something I just want to continue to remind everybody of. Right? Wherever you are at in your life, finish strong. Finish strong. Paul says that he's a drink offering here. Now, this is interesting that Paul would say this. Uh, we find a drink offering through, in the scriptures um, all throughout. Um, in the Old Testament, just in a couple different places. I shouldn't say all throughout, but in a couple different places. And one of them is in Leviticus 23. And what's going on in Leviticus 23 is they're having a celebration. They're having a worship service. And um, it's the, uh, it's the uh, feast of the first fruits. And basically uh, they are pro- kind of getting the first from the, of the harvest in here, and they are celebrating, and they are trying to remember that God had given them uh, that harvest, that God had given them the fruit, that God had given them the grain, that God had given them the grapes. And because they make the wine out of the grapes, God had provided for them the wine. And so what they would do is they would take the first of that wine that they had harvested and they would give it to the priest and then the priest would consecrate it and devote it to the Lord and then pour it out because it had belonged to God. Now what Paul is saying here is that he is the drink offering. And God is actually pouring him out to the rest of the world. Like Paul has given his life to the Lord and sacrificed his life to the Lord. And Paul believed that his life belonged to God and that his life was the offering to God. And so this is Paul living out what he wrote to the Romans in chapter 12. When he tells people to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God here. And no longer being conformed to the pattern of the world, but being transformed by the renewal of your mind. See, this is what it means here to, to be a follower of Christ, to allow God to use you and to pour you, pour you out and to use your life and use it to the very end. I love this verse, verse 7 here. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Such a powerful verse. Uh, you know, we, we say it all the times at funerals. I hope like somebody could say that at my funeral and mean it. Uh, We hear it at funerals of believers, and we hear it at funerals of unbelievers, but to take this in context, like, it should be said at a funeral of a believer here. It's nice to know, like, somebody kind of, like, has made it from life to death, and they endured this life here, but Paul's saying, not only have I endured this life, but I I have run the race with faith. Like, I have run the race with my eyes on Jesus, and I have kept it, and I have won the race to win. I've won the race to win the prize that God has for me, the crown that he is going to give to me. And he believed that the finish line, at the finish line, like God awaits him and God was going to reward him. And he believes that because he is living a faithful life to the Lord, that he's going to have a legacy worth leaving behind. My question, I guess, just for all of us, as we think about our lives and as we think about our legacy and we think about the legacy that we are going to leave behind, could we write these kind of words to those whom we love? To those whom we are discipling, to those whom we are mentoring? Will people be able to see, say about you, yes. Brad Cover, right? He persevered in godliness. Right? Will Dennis's children be able to tell him right, that he trained in righteousness? that he trained for godliness? Will Ruby's grandchildren be able to say she shared her faith? Will everybody be able to say that you finished your race and faith and you finished it as God would have you? I hope that's the case. I hope it's true. And this is what the Lord wants for you. And this is what St. Paul wants for us. Let us pray. Father, I give you thanks because you've given us your word that has been breathed out by you, and it is good. It trains us, it corrects us, it gets us to think about you. Father, I pray that we follow you with all of our lives. I pray that as difficult as this life can be, that we persevere in godliness no matter what comes our way. Father, I pray that we are serious about the training that you have set forth before us. That, Father, when we open the scriptures, that we allow them to search our heart. Father, I pray that when somebody else opens the scriptures around us, and quotes your words I pray that you allow them to search our heart and to change us I pray father that you empower us just to share how good you are to people father I pray that we all finish strong I pray that we don't give up I pray that we see ourselves just as Paul as an offering to you I pray that we believe that our lives truly do belong to you and then at the end, we can say we have fought the good fight, we have finished the race, and we have kept the faith. Father, in a moment, we're about to take our tithes and offerings. So we just thank you for all that you've given us. What we give back to you financially as part of our, as an expression of, of what we believe that you have sacrificed for us. We pray that we give back joyfully this morning. We pray, Father, that this goes uh, to further your kingdom, to further share Christ with others, to feed the hungry, to bless the poor. Father, this morning as we continue to sing and worship, we acknowledge that we need you in all of this as we continue going.